Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you're new to the program, this show is designed to educate its listeners on the industry's best practices involving the design and construction of a single family custom residential home, your dream home. A custom home can be small or large, can be located in a rural community or in a city. What makes it custom is intentional design. It's a home designed and built with a particular family in mind, yours. It's a home that maximizes your family's enjoyment of the structure while addressing such concerns as indoor air quality and minimizing the cost to heat and cool the property. These considerations can help your dream home qualify as more than just a custom home. It can be a high-performance home. Even though high-performance homes do not necessarily cost more than traditionally built homes, not all architects and custom home builders build high-performance homes. A high-performance home delivers far greater value to you than a traditionally built home. In this program, we teach you the benefits of a high-performance home and how to ensure your architect and custom builder build your dream home as a high-performance home. And if your dream home is a home that has already been built, we share with you the most cost-effective modifications you can make to bring your home up to high-performance standards. How do we do these things? By inviting industry-leading architects, builders, and other home design and construction professionals to share their knowledge with you. Our guest today is Sandra K. Adamatis. She's been a member of the Appraisal Institute since 1984. She served as chapter president, chair of two national committees, and Region 10 Education Liaison. Internationally, she's working with Canada to adopt the AI Green and Energy Efficient Addendum to their residential properties. She's an Appraisal Institute instructor, developer of seminars and courses, appraisal journal author, contributor to textbooks, and author of Residential Green Valuation Tools. Sandra is a national spokesperson to state and federal government agencies, energy organizations, realtor groups, state coalitions, national and local home builder groups, and utility companies, where she passionately promotes the Appraisal Institute, its members, education, and publications. Sandra, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me here today, Kevin. It's, it's quite a pleasure to be talking on this topic. Well, I appreciate you being uh, willing to join us. Well, Sandra, um, although many of our listeners may not have heard of you before, in the construction industry, uh, many of us are familiar with your work. You're really um, a, a leading voice in green building and uh, in helping the professionals in our industry, real estate agents, appraisers, builders, get on board with building more sustainable homes. In a recent program, we talked about adjacent dwelling units, bringing to the listener's attention the idea that these could be buildings that make sense for a home. And in many areas of the United States, the number of ADUs uh, and DADUs, detached units that are being built, is on the rise. When it comes to doing additions to the home, for many people, they're not paying cash. They're going to be financing the home. And so as they're working with their builder to decide how they're going to spend their money, things that are not included in the appraisal fall into that category of you may want it a lot, but you may not be able to pull it off because that's not going to get valued. With ADUs, again, because things are changing, I'm hoping that you can share with the listeners, is it possible to get your ADU financed as part of the financing package for your custom home? What are some of the challenges and what can we do to uh, overcome some of those challenges? 
Kevin, that's a great question. It's one that uh, has, the answer has changed quite a, quite a bit in the last few years. I wrote a seminar on this for appraisers uh, because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have definitely changed their guidelines to allow for financing of accessory dwelling units, ADUs. Often there's many names that uh, we give to ADUs in different parts of the country, but you're right. They're either attached or detached to a residential home. And it, they are, a temporary place for um, for families to live until they can afford maybe a larger place. Uh, there are many types, uh, many uh, uses of ADUs. Some some family members use them to put uh, someone who needs care, like a, a mother or mother-in-law, or maybe a student, uh, or it it could be just simply somebody who wants to live in that particular neighborhood but doesn't have the finances yet to buy their own home. So this would be a temporary place for them to live. In the past, uh, lenders uh, found it very difficult to finance uh, accessory dwelling units because of the secondary mortgage market guidelines, which said that the, the, the ADU had to be legal, number one, meaning it had to meet zoning requirements and, and building had to have a uh, a building permit, which we know a lot of them were built long before building permits were were really uh, emphasized uh, before zoning was in place. Some of them were just built illegally because they, it wasn't allowed. We're actually seeing some areas where they recognize we have a real shortage of housing now. So one of the things we can do is go into different neighborhoods where we know there are ADUs, even though they're not legal or built to the current building code, give them the permission to go ahead and use those as ADUs um, and finance them. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac says that uh, an ADU is eligible for financing, even if it's not permitted or, or even if it doesn't meet the zoning requirement. Excellent. Now, the VA and the FHA still requires that it be, uh, be, be legal to zoning and have a, a permit before they will finance it. So if you have a home that has an ADU and you know it wasn't legally permitted, it doesn't meet zoning, you will need to go through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac financing. That's number one you need to think about and talk to the lender about when you go for a mortgage on it. Okay. Be very upfront with them. So, you know, that will make the, the mortgage process go smoothly if they know what to expect up front. They don't push you into the wrong uh, financing uh, tool. And keep in mind that an ADU uh, cannot be included in the gross living area, the primary structure. In other words, you need to have an appraiser who understands the guidelines, who has had some education uh, in appraising uh, accessory dwelling units uh, would be number one. So if the homeowner has an ADU, they're going for a mortgage, when the appraiser calls them and asks um, to make an inspection or an appointment to come out, one of the first things a homeowner should do is ask them, do you have knowledge on valuing accessory dwelling units? Uh, and if they say yes, they will have you appraised many of them in the past. Just do a little interview like you would with any specialist you're going to. And if, you know, if they don't give you the right answers, then, you know, stop and call your mortgage lender uh, and say, I'm really not comfortable with this appraiser. They really weren't answering my questions. I don't feel like they're, they're sufficient, have sufficient knowledge to provide me with an accurate appraised value. So that's something that the homeowner can do up front. Keep in mind that an ADU is required to have a kitchen. These are some of the requirements. It must have a kitchen. It doesn't have to have a full kitchen as long as it has a stove and a refrigerator. It can't have a, a microwave called and call it as a stove. Okay. It must have a, yeah, so you can use an apartment-sized stove and a refrigerator and at least a small cabinet and, and sink area. It doesn't have to have full cabinetry. It must have a bathroom that is specific to that accessory dwelling unit. In other words, you can't have it connected to a house and you share that bath with the house. Okay. It has to have its own bathroom facilities. And it, it needs to have sleeping a sleeping area. Now, it doesn't say bedroom. It says sleeping area. So it could be an efficiency type accessory. Like a dwelling. murky bed or something. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in a living area. So that living area could be combined with the sleeping area as well. So that's that's the, the main guideline that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, FHA and VA 
all require. That's that's the the minimum. Okay, so okay. I have a question because um, I know with commercial properties, when they're doing the appraisal, they look not just at you know the construction costs; they actually will look at income, projected income, and use that to help determine the value of the property. So if my plan, let's say the place that I live, they are okay with with uh, ADUs, and my plan is to build one on my property and then rent it out as a vacation rental. Can I use the income that I'm anticipating receiving to help justify the the larger mortgage to my lender? In most cases, the lender will not count that in on the income side to qualify for the loan. However, it is something that the appraiser should look at. Um, For instance, if an investor owns a house and they've got an accessory dwelling unit with it, and both the house and the ADU are rented, then yes, that would be something the appraiser could use to do what we call the income approach. So the, you know, the the problem with that the appraiser finds is it's difficult to find other similar properties that are also rented where the house and the ADU are rented because that that's that would be the true comparison of it. However, on the lending side, when they're looking at the borrower's qualifications, they will consider uh, that this income will help them, you know, make the mortgage payment, but they don't consider it on the debt to income side. Uh, now, I believe one of the uh, secondary market recently may have made a change on that, but all four last I looked were still saying, no, we don't count it on the debt to income side, but we do want it reported. Okay. So that's helpful. So again, that's just more evidence that um, you need to work with someone who understands this part of the market so that they can share with you, just like um, Sandra did, kind of what's going on currently. It'd be very difficult to stay on top of all these issues unless you're in the business. So that's a great a great summary of ADUs. We're going to take a quick break. Um, but before we do, I just want to remind the listeners that what we're talking about is how to make sure that the appraiser who is valuing your home for your mortgage is uh, able to properly value high-performance homes. So we're going to be transitioning into that conversation when we come back from the break. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be right back. Did you know that you can design a custom home that not only comfortably meets your needs today, it can easily accommodate your future needs if an unexpected mobility limiting event affects someone in your family. To learn how the principles of universal design can make your custom home more comfortable today while potentially increasing your property's resale value tomorrow, listen to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. COVID-19 is a severe lung infection. Trust the American Lung Association for science-based public health information, especially for the 36 million Americans who live with lung disease. We have resources to protect your lung health, access expertise from medical professionals, and peer-to-peer support through our online communities. Visit lung.org for daily updates or call 1-800-LUNG-USA. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and with us on this show is Sandra Adamatis, SRA, Lead Green Associate, and member of the board of directors for ResNet, the Residential Energy Rating Performance Organization. So, uh, Sandra, at the break, uh, I left you um, with the thought that we were going to start moving into properly valuing high-performance products and processes that have been 
built into a custom home. So starting with that thought then, um, how does an appraiser go about properly valuing a high-performance home? Well, that's a great question. And it's one that um, most homeowners really need to understand that a high-performance home is one that performs better than the code-built home. Okay. So they need to know what's the local code-built home. Take you know, what's the energy efficiency of it? Uh, how does it operate? Is it a healthier home? So by getting a HERS rating, they can get a very good understanding of the energy efficiency that's built into the home, uh, and green features are going to be included in that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's one place to start is to really know what a high-performance home is. Because a lot of builders will say, I always build a high-performance home when actually they're just building to code. So getting a HERS rating, knowing what that HERS rating means, remember the HERS rating in 2000 is based on a 2006 home, a built home built to that 2006 standard. And that would equal 100 on the HERS scale. Uh, a high-performance home is going to be Less than that, in most cases around the United States today, we're seeing homes that simply decode are around the 50s and 60s. Wow. So if your your home is high performance, it's going to be less than that. Now that's that's based on as of 2023. Okay, you know, a few years back, uh, 60 may have been good. So as we continue to move forward. Uh, building codes have changed. The state and federal government are, are updating the codes. Uh, so we're seeing high performance homes being built more and more today. What the homeowner needs to do is look at your market. How does your market view energy efficient and green homes? Okay. Is it a, a big a big deal? You know, or is that what homeowners are looking for? Ask some of the agents. Uh, if I put money into a high performance home, how will the market look at that if I do a resale on it? Is that something that they look for? Almost every survey that's been done in the United States will tell you that in the top 10 features buyers are looking for, energy efficiency is always in that top 10, right. often in the top five. So it is something, but it's often something that realtors don't even ask their proper, their their buyers if that's something they're looking for. And keep in mind, if you get a home that's uh, high performance with a low uh, HERS rating, it's going to have a better indoor air quality. So people with asthma, lung issues, sinuses are going to have a much healthier environment to live in. Now, as far as appraising it, you have to go back to asking the the appraiser when they uh, call you to make an appointment to take a look at the home, ask them some questions, interview them. Have you ever appraised a high-performance home? And they may, if they say something like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Okay, so it's number one, (laughs) bad sign. And then ask them, uh, are you familiar with ResNet's uh, appraiser portal where they have HERS ratings? Well, if you hear a silence in the phone, you probably got the wrong appraiser. So, you know, if you start asking some questions like that, if you don't get answers that make sense or that, that you understand, Call the lender and say, well, you've, you've hired somebody that doesn't really understand high-performance homes. So that's number one. Number two is be sure that you provide them with that HERS rating. Remind them that uh, there's a green addendum. Uh, hopefully, their HERS rater filled out the green addendum for them. The green addendum, it was uh, designed by the Appraisal Institute, and it, it provides a listing of all the features behind the wall that makes that home energy efficient. Nice. Or, and provides all those green green features. It also gives them links to resources where they can find a lot of data. Uh, so you really need to have an appraiser that's familiar with that. You need to have a builder that will fill that out, a HERS rater will fill it out. Give it, give it to the lender when you apply for the mortgage and then have another copy for the appraiser when the appraiser comes to look at the property. Those are great tips. Yeah, and that will help the appraiser get a better feel for what's behind the walls and what they need to look for in comparable sales. If they don't have that information, they're going to compare your high-performance home to a code-built home that may not have those features. Because remember, appraisers are not, uh, we're not trained in the area of energy efficiency, Mm -hmm. uh, of total construction. We have a pretty good idea of construction, but not to the detail that we need to really understand energy efficiency or how the house operates. 
So having that HERS rating, having that green addendum will get you much further along with an appraiser who actually knows what they're doing. We have a lot of courses and seminars and a book that appraisers can get to better understand high-performance homes. Excellent. Uh, I'll have you mentioned the book um, when we get towards the end here. Um, I appreciate you bringing it up. So while we're on this subject, um, you make it sound like if I get an appraiser who is not qualified to appraise my high-performance home, I don't have to feel bad about reaching back out to the lender and saying, I don't believe this person can do a, a proper job. Can you send me someone else? Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, because think about it. And when you go apply to apply for a mortgage, you expect the mortgage person to be a professional in their area right. and ser- give you good service. You expect the title company, the surveyor, all to be professional folks that know what they're doing. Same as the appraiser. And appraisers are like doctors. We don't know everything about every property type. And in many cases, the lender never notifies the appraiser of the high performance features. So they may have accepted an assignment, not realizing it's something they're not qualified to do. Mm -hmm. So give them that opportunity to turn it down. And if they don't turn it down, give the homeowner the opportunity to call the lender and, and ask for someone that has more knowledge in that area. And here's another tidbit. If they get the appraisal and the appraisal doesn't mention any of the energy features and you've provided them with, with the green addendum, with the HERS rating, and it doesn't mention any of those, you have a right to ask for a reconsideration of value. Wow. That means you go to the lender and say, you know, they've missed all these features and I gave them this information. They haven't analyzed it and they compared it to properties that don't have these features. They will give you a form to fill out. You can fill out that form showing the errors. And if you can find comparable sales of high-performance homes, you will give them those, give it back to the lender. The lender takes it back to the appraiser and works out, do they need a a new reconsideration? Do they need a new value? Do they need to reanalyze the the process or hire a new appraiser? So that is an option a a homeowner has. I really appreciate you pointing it out because sometimes when you're working with professionals, you don't want to offend them, but at the same time, you got to kind of push for what you're entitled to. And you're saying, don't feel bad about it. Just respectfully go down that road and, and get the appraisal that you deserve. Uh, earlier in an earlier program, we talked about some of the uh, high performance processes that can be uh, used in the construction of your, your custom home that don't really cost anything, very low to no cost. It's just a different way of attacking a particular aspect of the construction process. So if you if you, if you don't remember what those were, you can go back and listen to the earlier show and talk about it because there again, things have advanced enough where there's a minimum level of things that can be done very easily that will add no more cost to the construction of your home. But there are other things. So I'm going to jump into that right now that do cost more. So is is it fair to say, um, Sandra, that I can't just spend whatever I want I on high performance things or or yeah, any high performance thing that I add on will be properly valued when I go to sell sell a property? Or is it like other things like uh, we were talking about out, outdoor kitchens on an earlier program and um, the guest said, you have to spend within uh, reason of the property location. So can you talk a little bit about making the decision on what high performance features and products you will add to a home based on the location in terms of being able to recover your investment? Sure. And, and again, I, that is so right. It depends on the location. Yeah. In Southwest Florida, we have two really large developments of green homes. So everything in there is going to be built to a green standard, some higher standard than others. But you you don't want to be the highest standard in the neighborhood because on a resale, you're probably not going to reap every dollar for dollar back. And I always tell, and I know hers raiders will too, is do the low-lying fruit. Build a, build a good, strong uh, structure, bone structure, tighten it up. Uh, insulate it well, put good windows and doors in, and and you can then offset the HVAC system that you put in. You have lower costs there. 
that's where a HERS rater can come in quite handy to help that builder understand what trade-offs they can do. They can build that in building that home to keep it within a budget. Most of the studies I've seen on what is the cost of a high-performance home, they fall between zero and 5% over a code-built home. Okay. And now, if, if you go beyond that and put on solar or geothermal, you'll exceed the 5%, but you may not get that money back in the market on a resale. Depends on that local market. Are they paying for that? Do they accept it? Some markets do, some don't. The higher your utility costs are in a market, the more favorable the buyers are to looking for an energy efficient or a high performance home. Uh, so that's something to really keep in mind and work with an appraiser, call an appraiser and ask them some questions about, you know, if I spend 20,000 or 10% more on building my home and putting in all these energy efficient features in, can I really get that back on an appraised value or in a resale? So appraisers can help you on a consulting basis to make some good decisions before you spend the money. <laughs> what a great tip that is. And it's so funny too, because we did a family vacation to Maui uh, a few weeks back and so many people have solar because the, the power is so expensive there. So I would imagine that, that what you just said about, you know, it depends on how people feel about uh, 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 taking over property with solar panels is going to depend on what's going on in the market because everyone there in Maui, they were totally on board with, with solar. They're like, yeah, of course. They're, they're looking for that when they're shopping for their homes. Yes, definitely. Uh, you mentioned engaging, uh, number one, you said uh, on a consulting basis, engage an appraiser early in the design process to help you figure out how to make sure you recapture the money that you're spending in uh, high performance products and processes. And then you also touched on the role of energy raters. Now, I know that you are on the board for ResNet and um, ResNet is doing tremendous work in helping builders build more energy efficient homes. Can you talk just a little bit more about how an energy rater can engage with the builder and why even if the builder is not mentioning an energy rater, why the homeowner should volunteer it and say, I'd like to have an energy rater working with you as part of my team. Yes, I, I have a great example. My grandson's building his first home, he and his, his new bride. And I said, is your builder doing a hers rating? He goes, no, grandma, what is that? So I explained <laughs> it to him and I sent him information. I said, now you take this to your builder and tell them that, you know, it'll cost you, cost them a little more. You're willing to pay for it, but you want a hers rating because you want to make sure that it's energy efficient and you can afford to pay the utilities as well as the mortgage payment. Right. Give you another quick story. We talk about builders, but all homeowners too should consider HERS raters. Okay. Let's say you're wanting to make improvements on a home. Yeah. I'll give you a quick story here. Had a, uh, an appraiser friend who lives in a historical district and she was renovating the inside of her home. That meant she it was a 1920s home. She was tearing out all the drywall, doing a total renovation. And she had new windows, low E, high performance windows put in, new doors. And then she put... Um, a new HVAC system, it was high efficiency. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, she decided to put the, uh, to pull out the drywall, put in uh, spray foam insulation. Okay. She called me all excited about the spray foam. And I, and she said, they're coming on Monday. And I, this is Saturday. And I said, hold up a minute. Have you had a HERS rater come out and take a look at the house to see if you have the correct airflow? Are you tightening up the envelope too tight? She goes, I didn't think about that. Right. And I said, well, you better, because if you tighten it up too tight, you're going to have mold, mildew, air quality <laughs> issues that's going to hurt you. So I helped her find somebody. The raider came out. And to her pleasure, the raider found out that, yes, she, was she would have tightened it up too tight had she gone with spray foam. So he was able to tell her what type of insulation and how much she needed. And it saved her several thousand dollars. Wow. So you you see, it's just not only on new construction, but on existing homes, when you're starting to do renovations, it's always smart to get a HERS rater, a, sci a building scientist out there to take a look at it. So you don't do something that's going to hurt the quality of your of your living space. 
Yeah, that is such a great point. Um, you know, there's a, a case to be made for when you're doing something that you're not really familiar with personally, it makes sense to just invest a little bit more and get somebody on your team who is an expert. They're gonna, that little bit of money that you spent, you're gonna get that back many times over in having a product that you're happier with because the expert knows all of the things that can go wrong. They've heard it from the other experts in the field. There's sharing of information back and forth, best practices. That you get all of that for the little bit of consulting fee when you hire someone and they can step in just like you explained there and keep you from spending a bunch of money and being unhappy with the result. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about solar photovoltaic um, additions to your home. And I know this is something that uh, you are very familiar with, Sandra. So we'll take a quick break. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we will be right back. Did you know that with certain designs and construction techniques, you can completely eliminate the cost of heating and cooling your home each month? For some homeowners, that can represent a savings of $5,000 to $10,000 a year with no loss in comfort. Want to learn more? Be sure and listen to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. I'm health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso, inviting you to discover something new, the Health Call Radio Hour. Each week, we meet doctors, researchers, authors, and people from around the world trying new things to make our mind and body better and to help us age with style. From head to toe, we cover it all on the Health Call Radio Hour, Sundays at 12 a.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. Our guest today is Sandra Adamatis, SRA, Lead Green Associate, and an expert, an industry expert in appraisals. Our show today, we're talking about how to make sure that the person who does your appraisal on your high-performance home uh, is properly educated and trained to do a, uh, a fair evaluation and, and what to do if, if you don't feel that they are properly trained. So uh, Sandra mentioned that typical homes now with some amount of engagement of the builder in terms of uh, uh, including high-performance products and processes, reasonable expense uh, or no expense, can bring your uh, HERS rating down to 20, 10, 0. 
But to go below zero, that's net zero. That means that your home is generating as much or more energy than it consumes every year. To go below zero, it's going to take you adding some other components to your home. This gets into that range as we were talking about earlier where you really need to look at where you're building to make sure that when you go to sell the home, you'll be able to recapture a greater percentage of the investment. Sure, while you're using the home, you get to enjoy the benefit of adding these components. But if you're thinking, okay, but I also want to make sure when I go to sell it, I recapture as much of that investment as possible, then you need to be aware of this. So I'm going to ask Sandra to talk a little bit about two or three of the things that can bring you below net zero in terms of your energy consumption. Okay, KT, that's that's a great question. To get it to zero, you're going to need solar or geothermal. So, okay, okay, so that's what we call a zero energy home, just like you uh, defined it. To go below zero, that means you're just putting a larger solar system on or larger geothermal system on to produce that energy. But let's think about that. That is uh, a little bit of an overkill because if you go below zero, you're feeding that energy back to the utility company. In most cases, the utility company is not paying you at the same rate that they charge you for using their energy. So you don't want to oversize a system. You want to get it down to zero in in many cases, which we call a zero energy home. That's where a a, a ResNet rater can help the builder figure out what size system do we need to put on that home to get it to zero. They're going to build a, a very energy efficient structure put all the insulation, good windows, doors in. uh, And then by doing that, you can put on a smaller system, solar system. Remember, solar systems, they're guaranteed for 25 to 30 years or warranted for that. Um, As innovation continues, their, their value in the market may not be what you paid for it. Okay. So you'll want to size it right. Uh, don't go overkill. The lowest HERS rating I've seen of a home with a solar system on it is minus 58, which meant they were sending a ton of energy to the utility company and getting three cents a kilowatt hour back. Okay. Now they, that was way too much. That was an overkill. So uh, I would highly suggest that the homeowner uh, work with the builder or work with a, a ResNet rater to see what size system they need to put on. And keep in mind, when you talk about the investment, think about your return on your investment. How long is it going to take me to recoup the money I'm investing in that solar system? Uh, A good example is a a local person contacted me and was all excited about their solar system they put on a used home, the existing home. And uh, they spent $65,000 on it. Well, we're in a market where the kilowatt hour cost is 11 cents a kilowatt hour. Well, when you, I asked him how much, what size system it was, he said, I don't know, it's like 35 panels. I said, that doesn't tell me the size of the system. Uh, so he finally figured out the size of the system. And I said, how much was your utility bill? It was a little over 300 a month. Well, he's having to borrow money to buy, to put this system on. It's going to cost him 350 a month to pay for it. <laughs> okay. So really, what has he done? And then I said, I hope you're going to live there a really long time because it's going to take you a long time to recoup your money. And he says, oh, we're going to live here forever. A year later, contacts me, his wife's filed for divorce. Oh. And he doesn't have equity in the home to pay off the solar system. Oh, my goodness. They're going to have to sell the home. So that's a very good example of why a homeowner shouldn't just go with what the solar sales people tell you to do. Get their, their their input, but also contact an appraiser or a HERS rater that knows something about it can help them right-size the system. They can help you do that. And you'll, you'll save a lot of money by doing that, a lot of heartache. Yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. And I know you um, wrote an article for which you won an award, an analysis of solar home paired sales across six states. and. Um, I think in that article, you mentioned that at one time, it was hard to get uh, the the value of a solar system included in your home appraisal. 
Has that improved? Is it, is it the same today? Well, the it has gotten better. We uh, we are having more people taking the classes on how to value solar system. There's a, a free tool out there called pvvalue.com. It's it's a free tool that estimates the energy uh, value of the energy product produced by the solar system. And it has a cost approach in it as well. So we train appraisers on how to use that free tool. But I will alert you that Fannie Mae will not allow that the income approach or the cost approach to be used to value a solar system. What they want is those paired data sets. And what that means for the typical homeowner is they're looking for other homes that have sold that had a solar system on them. Compare that sale to a similar home without the solar system. Did the home with the solar system sell for more? And if it did, how much more did it sell for? And then that would be supporting the value of the solar system. Oh, okay. So they want hard evidence. <laughs> they want market evidence. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's helpful. Now, I will say that Freddie Mac, VA, and FHA will allow you to use the cost and the income approach when you don't have sales of other homes with the solar system. So they're more lenient on that. And again, the homeowner needs to let the mortgage company know that the home has solar in it and remind them you need to hire an appraiser that understands solar photovoltaic systems because there are a lot of appraisers out there that still do do not have the knowledge or understanding of how to value them. Excellent. You know, and just it's touching on, on solar, there's a lot of good stuff coming with solar. I know there's at least one company, uh, Ubiquitous Energy, that's working with a, a major window manufacturer to bring a um, photovoltaic or solar window to residential um, properties. And I think they're about two years away from having that completed. So if you were thinking of going with solar anyway, um, being able to uh, connect the windows in your home to the rest of the solar work you're doing, you're just thinking about a whole untapped area for uh, collecting energy. So there's good things coming from solar. Uh, I know there's some other, I got maybe big ticket isn't the best way to put it, but are you seeing any any homeowners doing geothermal? Is that is that popular? Not so popular. Again, it depends on the, the part of the country. There, it, it's you know we see it here in Florida on uh, usually on large, very large homes where somebody's putting solar and geothermal, and it's usually waterfront homes. Uh, in certain parts of the north, northeast, northwest, they use it. It's it's not as popular as solar photovoltaic systems. Okay, yeah, I've seen it's been seeing a little bit of of uh, research on that. So um, we're going to take a break. It's that time. Um, we'll come back, Sandy, I'm going to ask you to help us drill down a little bit more on how to work with those professionals that are typically a part of big real estate transactions. We've got the appraiser, we've got the real estate agent, we've got the builder, and how to make sure that if they're not ramped up, how we can point them in the direction to get ramped up. So if there's appraiser that I want to use, but they're not quite ramped up on how to properly appraise a high-performance home, can I send them somewhere so that they can get ramped up so that we move forward with all the tools that are available that I'm entitled to as a homeowner being utilized for, for, for the progress of my project. So we'll get to that when we get back. So uh, you're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we will be right back. Are you thinking of building a new home? A beautiful residence, custom designed to meet the needs of your family. If you are, then get started by listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT. The show features interviews with award-winning residential architects, custom home builders, and other residential design and construction industry experts who will share their knowledge and expertise with you. That's Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. Start your Wednesday mornings off with a dose of courage. I'm Suzanne Weller. I'm hosting a new show called The Courage Effect. 
We'll be talking about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we step out of our comfort zone. Each week, a new guest will join me to share stories about how they face their fears, taken risks, and realized amazing things as a result. For more information about me or my show, check out thecourageeffect.com. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and uh, with us on this program is Sandy Adamatis, SRA Lead Green Associate, and she's helping us to understand proper valuation of high-performance homes. So, Sandy, um, you touched on it earlier, but I'd just like to kind of uh, spend a few more moments on this subject so that the listeners are feeling pretty comfortable um, with how to make sure that the person that's appraising their home is properly trained. Um, Because, again, we know that the number of appraisers um, that are working with high-performance home appraisals is much smaller. This is kind of a newer thing in the marketplace. And we want to make sure that the homeowner doesn't lose value in their appraisal for, for dollars they have spent to make their home more comfortable. So if I'm if an appraiser is assigned to value my home and I've asked them, asked them those questions like you said, and if they have that blank look or if they ask me what's a door blower uh, 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 process and, you know, I it's clear to me that they're not prepared to value my property, what do I do? Okay, so that's a great question. The first thing you would do is uh, say, well, hold off, let me call the lender uh, and I'll get back to you. So then you would call your lender, your mortgage company and say, you know, you've assigned an appraiser to my home and they don't seem to be familiar with high performance features. We really need to get someone here that's qualified, knowledgeable in this area. And uh, they, homeowners should know that banks are required to hire an appraiser with knowledge and geographical uh, experience in that location. So, you know, if they're not knowledgeable, they shouldn't be hiring them. They, they, and so the homeowner has the right to ask for that. Okay, that's helpful. Don't feel bad. Just ask for it. Right. Uh, and now another key part of this process is oftentimes the real estate agent. And again, I think we've touched on the fact that it's not like this is the kind of thing that real estate agents are are schooled on, is how to properly list a high-performance home. So you're hiring uh, a real estate agent to sell your high-performance home. Can you share with uh, the listeners, what should I point out to my real estate agent if they're not uh, uh, doing these kinds of projects, but this is my cousin and I want to, I want to give him the job, but I also want him to list it properly. What kinds of things should the real estate agent do so that the community knows I have a high performance home for sale? Okay. Uh, Suggest to your cousin that they go to the National Association of Realtors, NAR Green section, And there's some classes you can take online. I took them online over a weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and got my NAR green designation. Uh, So you'd want to be sure that your agent got a NAR green, or if you're wanting to list your home that's high performance, look for an agent that has the NAR green designation. That means they've taken the education, they understand the concepts, and they should understand how to list it appropriately. You remember on another section, another segment, I told you that typically these homes sell for zero to five percent more mm-hmm. than a, a co-built home. So that gives the agent some kind of an, an idea of how much more to list that home for than competitive homes that don't have uh, those high-performance features. Excellent point. In fact, the NAHB's research says that exact thing. It says that homeowners. Our buyers are willing to pay up to 10% more for upgrades that save them money on their energy consumption. They are open to that. It's a study that was recently completed. So it matches up perfectly with what you just said. Uh, Okay, so then 
if I am one of those um, professionals, Sandy, I'm a real estate agent. I'm a uh, an appraiser. Uh, can you just say again where I should go? Because I know you work with the real estate uh, industry, you work with the appraisal in, uh, industry, and you work with the residential uh, energy uh, uh, raters. So can you just list out those associations that I could go to for more info? Sure. National Association of Realtors, NAR Green uh, Resources. They are, there's a lot of resources there for your real estate agents. If you're an appraiser, you'll want to go to the Appraisal Institute's website okay. and go and uh, search for their uh, residential green registry, which will show you all the appraisers that have taken that education. It will give you more resources there as well, uh, such as the green addendum and the book that uh, residential green valuation tools. Now that's and your then, book, right? That is my book. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Actually, <laughs> can, you, can you say the name again and where I can get that? Sure. It's residential green valuation tools. You can purchase it on the appraisal Institute's website, go to uh, the website and click on um, books and click in the name and you can purchase it from there. Perfect. Um, you might even find it on Amazon, but usually it's a little bit more on Amazon than it is on the Appraisal Institute's website. We're all about spending our money wisely on this yes, program. So. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and then on ResNet is where you want to go to find a HERS rater. And also you want to tell, ask your appraiser and ask your real estate agent, are they familiar that you can go onto ResNet's website and put in, uh, anybody can put in an address and find out if your home has a HERS rating. The appraisers have access to more data than that. They can go in to the uh, ResNet uh, appraiser portal. It's a free access for appraisers only. They can click in their uh, email and a password and they'll have, they can download all the HERS ratings in their neighborhood, in their zip code, and then they can begin to tell people the average home being built in 2023 here in this town has a HERS rating of 55. So if you want to build a high performance home, build one that's 45 or build right. one that's 40. So they can give them a lot of good information. It helps them also find comparable sales. That's so perfect. that's a great resource. Yeah, that is absolutely perfect. Well, Sandy, thanks again for being our guest. It's been really, really enjoyable. You've shared some real words of wisdom with us, and we're thankful. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. If you missed any portion of this program, you can download it as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, KT, and I look forward to spending time with you next week.